if you like betting on golf. But everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved. With all the stats and the tips and so much more, cause it's the golf betting system, the golf betting system, it's the golf betting system podcast. Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 212. We are covering the Charles Swab Challenge on the PGA Tour and the Dutch Open on the DP World Tour. Paul Williams and Barry O'Hanrahan join me, Steve Bamford, to discuss this week's golf betting action. Morning, gents. Morning, chaps. Morning, guys. Please subscribe to this podcast as you drive the popularity of the show. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more information. And of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world famous golf betting system website with our in depth betting previews. We have two previews for both events this week. I'll put links in the description to those previews. We've got tournament strokes gained analysis for the Colonial event. Very, very worthwhile looking at those. Tournament form statistics, form charts including combined course and current form, and of course our predictive models. All of these features, like this podcast, are all completely free of charge with no paywall. We're available on Twitter. Paul is at Golf Betting. I am at Bamford Golf. Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Plus, look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel, where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. Please subscribe and like the shows. This podcast, of course, is also available on that YouTube channel. Now, you guys as listeners power this podcast, so we need your five-star reviews on our Apple Podcasts. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of a future show. Leave your name and where you are in the review. Just for reference, I thought I'd have a look at this. Why not? We are currently running out, chaps. 148 to five stars in the United States. 138 in the United Kingdom. We've had a splurge in Ireland, Barry. 37 now in Ireland, 24 in Australia. So um, if you're listening in any of those countries and you haven't left us a five-star review, please do so. Right. Here's our review for this week. Knowledge is King is the title. Five stars. This is an absolute must-listen and superb entertainment if you enjoy betting on golf, seeking an edge towards a profit. I only wager on the Make the Cut Acker Market each week. My selection decisions are highly influenced by the analysis and statistics the guys deliver us each week. For me, the gold dust is the cases they make for players outside of the leading market fancies. And that is from Ira Man, and he's in the UK. Thank you for that, Ira Man. Mm. Yeah, thanks for that. It's an interesting uh, way to approach it, isn't it? I guess if you... You're working on a on a margin that you're trying to achieve out of your bets on a, over the long term, mm. and you find that edge on the missed cut market. Um, it's one way to one way to try and attack it, isn't it? It's, it's, it's quite a popular market on the um, on the Masters, given the given the vagaries of that event, I guess. Given the you know the the, the way that uh, so many of the field um, are less likely to make the cut I guess and uh, you know the, the ways you can ways you can cut that acker but uh, yeah doing it on a regular event it's an interesting concept isn't it sometimes it's quite easy in hindsight to see the missed cuts when you're looking at your bets mm. <laughs> our, our ones anyway you're like oh yeah he's <laughs> 
Well, yeah, I guess you kind of get a feeling of the players that are more, I don't know, more inconsistent and more likely to miss the cut. But equally, mm-hmm. if they have that week that you know they're capable of, actually more likely to win. So you've got that kind of difference between players who um, plod along to a 30, 40th place finish each week, make the cut. And if you've got them part of an acker that's, uh, you know, to, to make the cut, then, then all, all well and good. But do they ever get close enough to actually contend and win? Probably not. Whereas others miscut, miscut, then go and win or second or fifth or something like that. And then another spate of miscuts. And from a betting, mm. outright betting perspective, they're probably a better bet in that market. The high variance players, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. You, you do get those that it's kind of burn or bust, isn't it? So, you know, you'll get someone like a, I'm not even going to say a name because I've tipped one up this week, who can win PGA Tour. I've, I've got one in mind as yeah. well. <laughs> who can win PGA Tour events at the drop of a hat, and he's very, very good at missing cuts. Mm. And then, of course, you get these guys that are constantly 40s, low you know, low 30s, 50 plus, but they're making cuts each week. Yep, banking checks. Yep, banking checks and keeping their PGA Tour or DP World Tour status. So, yeah, interesting market. Well, we... We've put it off for too long now. We're going to have to talk about last week and it's going to be a painful exercise. Who goes first? It was really pain- <laughs> It was really painful for me, but only in a kind of my bets were crap kind of perspective. But I know for you, Barry, it took a whole whole new level of pain. It had a story. Go on then. So, you start. So, <coughs> excuse me. So my bets were fails. Um, I had a couple of Homa and Woodland going into Sunday who had chances of places and both failed to fire. But one of the teams I did a uh, a kind of last-minute switch on on DraftKings to a five out of six for the morning-afternoon wave Mm. to avoid the weather got through to a six out of six. So, um, yeah, going into the weekend, it was was happy times. And going into Sunday, it was looking very promising with... uh, you know, nice four-figure payday, and at one stage on Sunday, I got up to a twenty-eight thousand dollar projected payout, uh, which was interesting to say the least. And what um, stage was that yeah, on Sunday? Just out of interest, uh, that was early. Now that was Speed was on his back nine, and Rory had just kicked off with a few birdies. So mm. I'd, I've, yeah. I've, you know, I'd clearly I'd gone ahead with the holes played, or had less holes, you know, less holes to go than some of the other people but you know points in the bag are are hap- are good to have especially on um on a sunday when sometimes you know birdies are at a premium um i mean but then for a large part of the day it was jumping between bouncing between kind of three and nine thousand and the back nine just it just annihilated me everything went wrong so i had zalatoris i had Pereira, i had young um rory spieth and power and the guys just could not make birdies and were just dropping shots. And then the, I think the worst thing about DraftKings is it's every player in the field has an effect or every player left playing has an effect on what happens to your score. That you know, A player who isn't in your team, they drop in birdies. So you people jumping up the leaderboard like Fleetwood and Kirk and you know, you know those are helping other teams and it's just devastating when your guys aren't making putts. So at the end of the day, when it all washed out, I uh, I got paid out of it. It's seven hundred dollars, which is still a great week, but it's the hope that kills you when you're looking at potentially much nicer returns. Um, yeah. So yeah, it ended up being quite a deflating finish, even though it was a good result in a weird way. It's very strange. 
So that wasn't it wasn't fun, but uh, yeah, still profitable. So it's it's kind of a weird feeling. Yeah, that's it, it, unlucky, Barry, because I I was having um, my. I, in fact, I got um, my millie makers all ca- got six out of six, and I didn't cash at all. So it shows you how how many players um, managed uh, the, the six out of six this week. But yours. Um, and the point at which you and I were discussing, you really did have a chance because um, there was a scenario where Spieth, Spieth had gone. I, I get that. He'd finished his round, but you could mm. have quite reasonably finished with Mito, uh, Zalatoris, Young, Power and Rory when he was flying. They yeah. could have reasonably finished first to fifth. Um, mm-hmm. And I think at that in that scenario, you'd have been pretty damn close to the uh, to the million. It wouldn't have been far off. No, Certainly, I've, if Spieth had made a couple of those three footers that he missed on the um, on the pack nine, that was yeah, those were just extra cruel to see. But mm. I, mean, I was I was not being a huge DFS player. I kind of just do it for the majors, really. Um, I think I can identify situations a bit better in the majors rather than the week to week. It seemed to me just looking around at a few teams, I was going to take an extremely. Uh, unique set of circumstances for my teams actually win the million. It, it just yeah. it, there, there was just a few too many teams I was looking at their combinations of players and I went, oh god, that doesn't look good. So, but that doesn't mean you know the, the million isn't the be all and end all. If you can get a five figure payday, like that's an incredible week. Yeah. Um, and I think the hardest thing of all is when you're looking at the leaderboard, uh, especially in the top, let's say hundreds here, where. The, the teams that are really competing at that stage of the week um, and have a, a legitimate chance. You see a lot of, you know, multiple teams from single people or one name. So you know that you're you're up against um, like serious heavyweight players who've put in a lot of teams. They've picked like their, their core group and they have all the little um, micro changes between the teams to catch every eventuality. So it's yeah. just it's like a brute force attack then really on the on the leaderboard um, of the DraftKings leaderboard when they get when it gets to that stage of the tournament and you've only got one little shot and they have you know could be a dozen shots of that of that thing happening so it it makes it even harder then for the the, the singular if somebody's putting in one or two teams to actually crack it. Mm. Yeah, it is, it is David and Goliath, isn't it? On DraftKings, yeah, not these games. You're, you're taking on guys with 250 lineups. Yeah, 150. Yeah, but so uh, yeah, 150. Yeah, yeah. If you're you're, you're you're you've got to strike lucky, or you've got to have that uh, that player that's going to be pivotal to uh, uh, to kind of differentiating your team versus the others. But uh, no, well done, Barry. It was um, a good, a, player, a good yeah. sweat. Yeah, a good sweat, regardless. Yeah, it was good. It was good. It was good fun, even though it was torture. Um, it was a t- it was a tough day all round for me, sporting wise, because too much hope was introduced to my life with um, being a Liverpool fan, and then also in the DraftKings and the golf. So it was a it was a, pre- <laughs> it was a pretty heavy Sunday to take. But mm. hey, look, I mean, let's get on to the tournament. Uh, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, I, I, well, I, other than uh, Gary Woodland's. Collapse. I don't think there's any other way to describe it on Sunday, is there? Collapse on Sunday. Other than that, it was quite... It, 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 as a spectacle, I quite enjoyed it. It was a, a good, strong course, rewarded good ball striking. Um, yeah, it's, It was kind of as advertised by us, wasn't it? I don't think we got too much wrong. Got the weather right. Kind of, We kind of said that there was going to be a the risk of the 
different tea times and the different groupings mm. so that you you know that it worked out that the am pm was the better way i mean that that makes justin thomas's victory even better doesn't it i mean he was on the wrong yeah, side of the, the draw side. and yeah. when i watched him friday afternoon our time he was just playing middle of the green golf it was it was a tactical masterclass from thomas of how to play a major championship golf course in major championship bad conditions and keep yourself mm. in the hunt. There was mm. there was no pin chasing from JT apart from a couple of the couple of shorts and you know clearly the part fives. He was just playing middle of the green. You could see him and Bones had it all sorted out. The, the thing that shocked me with Thomas was how he actually went backwards on the Saturday. Yeah, odd, wasn't it? H- having got himself into that position. On, as you say, on the wrong side of the draw mm-hmm. in some of the toughest conditions, and then yeah, just just went backwards. Seemingly played himself out of it. A couple of bogeys early on Sunday, and then uh, put the back nine that you needed to put together into to give himself a chance. And yeah, after after meeting, the thing with that tournament it. was though that there there was clear. I mean, we had Zalatoris. He was a forty to one chance. I've, I've made a note here of the odds. He was forty to one with Unibet before. But he was a short thirties with others. Cam Young, who Paul and I, we were talking about Cam Young for about ten days beforehand. Oh yeah, Cam Young, he's a great golf player. We didn't include him on any of our content. Eighty to one, Young, and meet me. I'm going to do it. Meet up, Barea, two hundred to one. And he just had, he needed to make par on eighteen to be the PGA champion. Yeah. First yeah, ever when, pro, uh, top, you know, main tour victory that would have been, or another roll or two on the seventeenth hole and the putt there would have given him a two shot buffer and from that position you'd have expected him to. So I have some thoughts, mm. but my point it's is ter- that you look at those guys; it was all fantastic play, but none of them had ever won a main tour title. Oh yeah, yeah. let alone a major. Mm. And you just needed someone like a Thomas to put themselves just on the fringes and say to the guys, right, you're in control here, but I'm just here waiting. And if you make any mistakes, I'm here to pounce. And he, and, he, and Thomas did that, didn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was on, brilliant man. on Sunday. I mean, look, Mito, that one roll. So if that putt goes in on 17, he 100% takes three wood off the tee on 18. Now that yep. putt going in on 17 or not going in on 17 shouldn't have changed that club choice because by taking driver he brought in to play double he brought into play he brought the water into play I, mean, I think it's I think it's strategically a shocking decision to take driver there with the mm-hmm. one shot lead make I mean okay like if, if he hits it to the left side of the fairway and gives himself 210 215 into the into that pin He's opened up the green, the angle to the green, so the ball can funnel across into that right section of the green anyway. But worst case scenario, he's making five from that situation. But yeah. he brought double into play by taking driver, and I think that's strategically a decision that will haunt him for the rest of his days. Yeah. Look, there's no, there's no doubting it. The swing wasn't great, it, you know. He, uh, <laughs> Aesthetically, no. No. Um, but that just shows you the nerves there. Maybe he didn't feel like he, he could hit a three wood. You know, maybe he just felt, oh, that head, that club head's too small. I just need a bigger club head, and uh, that could, is completely understandable. But uh, yeah, it's just it's horrible to watch that happen to somebody because you know that that's like 
nightmares for the rest of somebody's days. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, it's just like jumping, <laughs> I suppose jumping off the, sorry, Paul. That's jump all in there. No, no, I was just saying, you know, sometimes you need these things to, to build and develop. And it, I thought, it, you know, it, the grace at which he approached mm. the interviews afterwards and the the manner in which he talked, despite his um, disappointment, was was refreshing and good to see. You know, some players would have thrown all the toys out of the pram or been uh, disconsolate at that point. But, um, you know, credit to him. And I hope he comes back and, uh, and, and does build on the positives that he can draw out of that event because there were plenty, plenty of positives in there. Yeah. I mean, that shows some character altogether. I mean... Mm. I mean, looking at, looking at the the kind of golfer that occupied the top few places, man, they were all flushers of the ball. Yeah, like the no, the noise that comes off the comes out of the TV when Cameron Young hits a ball is kind of erotic. <laughs> it's just so good. Mm. That, guy, <laughs> yeah. that guy's a player, mate. Oh my god! I mean, he, he there could be a week where he's on it and he'll just lap the field by several several shots. It wouldn't yeah. shock me to watch him win a tournament by six or seven shots yeah. in the very near future. I think you you have to take the positives from these things, and you have to take you know you just have to look at it with a clean sheet of paper and say, right, Zalatoris. So what do we know about Zalatoris? He's an absolute monster on classical golf courses. Yeah, he's a major championship performer. So when I'm putting him up at the Byron Nelson, where you've got to shoot twenty six under par, that's probably not the best thing to do because the guy struggles to make enough putts, yeah? So he's going to be a major championship contender on going, Zalatoris. If he can get his head right and if he's playing, because I don't know if he is, he'd be the perfect kind of player for like Memorial Tournament next week at Jack's place because that's his kind just, of golf course. Yeah. I was just about to say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seems Absolutely seems perfect for Memorial. Custom fit. Cam Young just seems to be able to do anything. I mean, you can take Cam Young to a birdie fest like the Shriners and he can shoot 20-something under. You can take Cam Young to Harbour Town of all places. Bearing in mind he's one of the longest on tour, and he can finish third at Harbour Town. So this guy, he he feels and looks elite. Yeah, he's now contending mm. in majors. And Mito Pereira, we, we, you know, we've said with Mito since he, he he jumped onto the main tour last year. You look at his numbers; he's so bent grass positive, it's unbelievable. Struggles with the putter on anything bar bent grass, Bermuda grass. Very good with his tee to green game. He's a real flusher, but just can't get the putts. As soon as he moved to bent grass, all of a sudden we've seen... I mean, we weren't expecting him to come within one hole of winning a major, but he's just jumped straight to the top of leaderboards again. So I yeah. think you just got to take those things on board. The thing that really I, I found half amusing and very frustrating at the same time was the fact that I tipped both Zalatoris and Pereira up at the Byron Nelson the week before the PGA and both of them, well, <laughs> Zalatoris missed the cut and Pereira kind of top 20 finish. Yeah. And next mm. thing you know, they're contending for a major and I haven't got a penny on either. <laughs> I mean, that is golf betting, mate. Yeah. Yeah, oh, he let me down. Oh, and, off. and get this, yeah. get this, even though I didn't have a penny on them, Neither of them won. Now that is a that is a trend that we like <laughs> on this uh, on this particular podcast. It's a small it's a small silver lining. So here we, you go. Let, let's take let's take some other numbers from this. Right, listen to this, guys, and make some notes, listeners, because we've got a U.S. Open coming up in a few weeks' time. Bryson top five, Hideki top thirteen, Mickelson top twenty-one, 
Rahm, top 10. Morikawa, top 5. Scheffler, top 10. Thomas, top 5. Those, they were their last major finish before winning their major. Yeah. Yeah. So that's worth making a note of. And the trend, Barry, and we, we talked about Lowry, people were talking about Cavs, we built a load of interest on these players. Again, yet mm. again, we've got another US major that was won by a player who played the week before that particular victory. So with the US Open in mind, we've got some quite clear indicators here. We need someone that's playing either the Memorial Tournament or the RBC Canadian Open. And if they've got a top... 13 in the last major, i.e. the PGA Championship, they're very likely to be right in the mix at the US Open. Which that is interesting, when you, when you look at players like John Rahm, for example, there was a lot of big names that were nowhere near the top of the leaderboard at this, yeah. top, this PGA Championship. And John Rahm will be going off at his obligatory 12-1. to 1. That last major stat seems extra applicable now with the way the majors are laid out in this condensed like three to four week window between each of them. Yeah. You know, because the form is held even more over, you know, in that short period of time. Well, that takes us back to Bryson, doesn't it? And don't forget, Bryson was 2020. And that was when the PJ had been, what was it, just the other side of the FedEx Cup playoffs and the golf courses were empty. So, yeah, that's effectively when this switched on, we've got, when we've got this very closely condensed major championship schedule. I'm just looking here. Top, <laughs> top 13 at the PJ last week. Cam Smith, Xander Schofle, Rose, Riley, Homer, Herbert Hatton. Steel Power, Hoagie, Answer, McElroy, Kirk, Fleetwood, Fitzpatrick, Young, Perea, Zalatoris, JT. The outlier, of course, was Mickelson, top 21, but Phil's going to be an outlier. So you could take it to Webb Simpson, Talagooch, or Sam Burns, who were in the top 20 last week. Yeah, 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 yeah. You could, without being quite so brutal as top 13, only mm. you can expand it down a little bit. But yeah, some recent major competition some recent major contending or fringy contending isn't a bad indicator and certainly the stats kind of bring that out we'll produce once we've got a final field for the us open we'll produce the same majors form page as we had for the uspga and that will be published on the site as well so i think we've got another top 60 cutoff for the us open haven't we over the next yeah uh, i think it's fortnight i think it is literally after the rbc canadian open Right. That, would that be wrong? So, or would it be after? I think yeah, it, it's yeah. either. No, sorry, I think it's after the memorial. Right, okay. So, sense. yeah, once that field's firmed up, then we'll uh, we'll publish that and uh, we'll make a note of it on that subsequent podcast. So, if you're starting to do some early research, then uh, you'll have a field to play with then. Or two, two. We've got some very I, good I golf get... coming up, has to be said. Some excellent golf. I mean, we've got the Charles yeah. Swab Challenge this week, which again is a. Um, it's an invitational status event, so only 120 in the field, so it's a half-decent field. And then, of course, the Memorial next week. RBC Canadian Open the week after that. Um, so we've got some decent PGA Tour action incoming. Good quality fields. So before we, let's move, before we move to Colonial, let's talk bookmakers. We're going to go uh, down the route of highlighting 10 bet again for the second podcast on the trot. We've noted them for... Offering standout prices on popular players with market-leading odds. 
which you take at five places each way at court the odd terms. Now, as we record this podcast, they are offering market best on the following players. Tony T2 Finau is a 40 to 1 chance only at 10 pet. Everyone else is shorter than that. Tommy Fleetwood, who really finished with a flourish. And, you know, we're talking about potential uh, US Open winners. Fleetwood is definitely starting to boil. He's a 40 to 1 chance at the Charles Swab with Tembe. Answer, 40 to 1. Riley, going to be popular, 50 to 1. Justin Rose, a 66 to 1 chance with Tembe. And I think Brian Harmon's going to be hugely popular this week. He's 66 to 1 right now with Tembe. If I backed him with Unibet right now, he's 33 to 1. And this is what we're saying with 10bet. They have ridiculously outstanding prices on certain players. So 66 to 1 right now on Harmon, 33 to 1, the same player with Unibet. New 10bet customers get a 50% welcome bonus up to £50 when signing up through Golf Betting System. You can find details about their new customer promotion plus a link through to that very offer plus T's and C's. In this podcast description, right? It'll that's be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see can Tembet keep up this kind of uh, assault on the prices, because ultimately, it should affect the prices of the. It should have the attention of the other bookies. If they see a bit of customer loss, they'll have to start juicing their prices a bit. Or, you know, in certain places, so it might might help. The competition might be good for the market. We've been monitoring there for about, I don't know, 10, 12 weeks. And what you find with them is that it isn't like a bet 365 situation where, you know, as we've been saying, 80% of the fields are top price or equal best price with bet 365. With 10 bets, things very random. But on, on 10, 20, 25 golfers each week, they are standout on those golfers. It's, it's, mm. So it's just worth having that account because there's going to be players there that you like at some point and just go well that's a ridiculous price and you 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 know yeah. you just on so Paul, yeah, I have very, I have one for you here Paul they have one here def- for you Paul they're definitely worth having in, in your uh, in your sports book portfolio we would suggest mm. and you I know what Paul you know, Paul had his 300 to 1 on Ricky Fowler last week which actually he didn't play <laughs> that badly away. did he he was there or thereabouts <laughs> Ricky yeah, just outside the top twenty in the end, and again, it was only one round, wasn't it? If you'd have, if he'd have produced one of those kind of Bubba esque rounds of sixty three or sixty four at any point in the tournament, he would have mm. probably placed or thereabouts. Um, he's not far. I don't think he's far away. I think he's playing better golf than um, a lot of people assume and um, and suspect with Ricky Fowler. And, uh, he's easy. I'll he's really... easy to bash, yeah. isn't he? As a target, he's easy to bash. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, but if, if you continue to pick him up at three figure prices, and he's that kind of price again this week, mm. and he's got, he's got the quality to go and push on and, and and contend. He's got everything's got to come together, of course, for a week. But um, when he focuses, it's, it seems that he's not that far away. Um, one I, thing I'll say with um, Tembet as well um, is their prices are really quite fluid. So whilst, as, as Steve described, some of the prices are, are, are very very. Um, outlandish uh, they do change quite uh, quickly so I put four five of my players up yesterday with 10 bet um, on the DP World Tour and uh, four of those prices have changed since I put them up mm. so um, Mondays if you're looking for some um, early 
value and some you know pretty tasty prices that may be the way to play it so yeah. it, it may be maybe one of these bookies that you have on board for that early um attack for a player that you fancy price is mad you take the price and, uh, yeah. and move on great for the early birders potentially yeah 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 Right, let's talk Charles Swab Challenge. What a terrible name for a golf tournament. But anyway, we know we know it as Colonial. So Colonial Country Club sits in the same classical course category as, say, a Torrey Pines, a Riviera, an Augusta National, Muirfield Village, although far shorter and far tighter from tee to green than somewhere like a Torrey Pines, which is like 7,800 yards. It's a 7,209-yard setup. It's another... Perry Maxwell original, as per last week, which they played at Southern Hills. Past 70, cannot be overpowered. Treeline Parkland Golf Course, it features Bermuda grass up to the greens, which again are bent grass. But, again, similar to Southern Hills, they're only small at 5,000 square feet. I mean, the disparity this week isn't as bad because we've got a 7,200-yard golf course as opposed to a 7,500-yard golf course. But the greens are very, very similar in size. Birdies are hard to come by at Colonial, with two par fives amongst the toughest on tour for birdie or better. So, looking at par four scoring or par four birdie or better, not a bad look this week. Difficulty rank, 2020, 13th of 41 courses. And last year, 2021, it played just a snidge over par across the field. 18th of 51 courses for difficulty. Tends to be one of those tournaments where a, a good mid-score wins it. I don't think, unless it's soft and very, very calm for Texas, you're not, you don't tend to get... Apart from Justin Rose in 2018, which was as soft as you like and there was no wind. It was 20 under par. But I do like this tournament. I mean, for me, it's Texas's premier golf tournament in terms of stroke play. Um, it's the one that someone like a Jordan Spieth will focus on. I think it's you know, it's the biggest, biggest tournament in Texas for sure. It's bigger than Valero, bigger than Byron Nelson. But I like it just because the prices of winners here. Cokerag last year, 60 to 1. He won in a shootout with Spieth. Berger, 70 to 1. Nah, 70 to 1. We're all licking our chops here. 60, 70, 70. 2018, Justin Rose was 20 to 1. Kisner, 33s. Spieth, 7 to 1 favourite in 2016. Kirk, 2015, 35 to 1. Adam Scott, 18 to 1. So, the longest price I'm seeing winning this since 2010 is Boo Weekly. Yes, Boo Weekly, 100 to 1. So we've only had one triple-digit winner of this since 2010. And it shows you it's a well-respected tournament. You always get a good field here. And at the end of the day, you know, this, this week's no different. It's a decent enough field. Scheffler, world number one. Thomas, just won the PGA. Jordan Spieth, Colin Morikawa, Victor Hovland, Will Zalatoris, Max Homer, Sam Burns, Sanjay Im's returning, Daniel Berger, Tommy Fleetwood, Finau, Webb Simpson, who was backed in. It's, it's been a while since I saw Webb Simpson at a par 70 for opening prices of 50 to 1 yesterday. I was tempted. Mm. 
Talor Gooch, Abraham Anser, Jason Kokrag, Billy Horschel, Mita Pereira, and Chris Kirk. You know, it's a decent field. Davis Riley, Gary Woodland, Harold Varner, Kevin Nahr. We can keep going. Right. I just love the price point. It averages through at 40, uh, 43 to 1 since 2010, the average winning odds of the winner here. Very nice. It's right in our wheelhouse. Absolutely right in our wheelhouse. Now, it's a classical golf course, and here are the last few winners. Kevin Kisner, 2017. Justin Rose, 2018. So, I mean, you've got two opposites there. Short game specialist Kisner, Justin Rose. When he was in his pomp, just an absolute greens in regulation flusher. Kevin Nahr, 2019. Daniel Berger, 2020. That was the first tournament back after covid You'll remember. It was a basically a major championship. He won it at 70 to 1. Jason Kokrag last year. So you're getting all sh all shapes and sizes there, aren't you? You know, you're comparing a Jason Kokrag to a Kevin Nahr or a Kevin Kisner. Yeah. So you get kind of short course specialists like Nahr, Kisner. Burger to that extent, because he's two wins prior to winning this were both at South Wind par 70. Kokrag is just basically players that play well on tougher classical golf courses, isn't it? Kokrag had form at um, somewhere like a Riviera. I think he'd finished second. He had great form around Copperhead. Just, you know, a lover of tough golf courses, tree-lined. So, yeah. Also, I'm just looking at underlying form there. All of those winners, Kisner, Rose, Nah, I kind of not taking Berger on board because that was just all weird back then, and Kokrak, they all had a top 13 finish within their last three appearances. So showing something, yeah, rather than coming from yep. a complete and utter left field. Mm. You know, I'd be absolutely shocked to A, see Bryson DeChambeau potentially play this week, although he's still in the field, apparently. Is he still in the field, DeChambeau? Yeah, it would probably be a late decision like it was last week. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if you're top alternate, you, if you're top of the list of the, you just stand there, aren't you, practising and going, well, DeChambeau's likely to. I'm agree. DeChambeau Thursday morning will be, oh, no, 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 I just can't play anymore, yeah. no. He is, on the range and he is 100 to 1 right now with 10 bet. Bryson DeChambeau. Boyle Sports have got him up at 28 to 1. Wow. <laughs> That's mad. 28 to 1, 100 to 1 on Bryson DeChambeau. Right. <clears throat> I've got five this week. Um. I'm the guy that tipped up Zalatoris and um, Mito the week before they contended at a major. Um, if I didn't include Jordan Spieth this week, I would be shooting myself in the foot because clearly I was very sweet on Spieth last week. 18 to 1 we, we were on board last week at Southern Hills. So I'm on him this week. 16 to 1 I managed to get yesterday. Three points each way with William Hill eight places each way. Shortest I'm seeing him now. He's a 12 to 1 chance. Uh, he's 14 with William Hill. So, um, yeah, I mean, Spieth, all I'll do, 10th, yeah, 2nd, 1st at TPC San Antonio, 2nd and 3rd at the Golf Club of Houston, 
ninth and second at TBC Craig Ranch since they've moved to Byron Nelson there. And here, seventh, second, first, second, eighth, tenth, and second. I make that two wins, six runner-ups, a third place, plus five additional top ten finishes in 24 stroke play appearances in his home state of Texas. So, yeah. I think Spieth, he just loves playing in Texas. He, he treats these tournaments very, very seriously. And I think a second colonial win will be something that keeps him very, very motivated for this week. It's as simple as that, really. Yeah, you can see it. It would, it would be disappointed with how things panned out last week. But prior to that, he was playing some excellent golf, wasn't he? He got, wouldn't be surprised. He, he won't be the last one to get paired with Tiger in that circus and play like a like a donkey. I mean, it, it made McElroy's performance on Thursday even even better. Hmm. The fact yep. that he took that circus on board, McElroy, and said, yeah, you know, he was doing his proper peacock job, wasn't he? I'm going to show you guys. And he played, it was it was vintage Rory McElroy for that Thursday. Absolutely vintage. Spieth went the other way. He was just hacking it about. He was, I think he was quite unlucky. Uh, Barry pointed this out. Some of his drives on, on Thursday were great drives and they'd literally just little plop into the collar on their last bounce. Yeah. Right into the collar of rough, and then he's got he's got total he's got a lack of control out of there for the for the approach. But anyway, Spieth, yes, I means it's 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 a it's a it's a simply effective sixteen to one bet on Jordan Spieth because his form around here it's the perfect golf course for him really. And he didn't play that badly from tee to green last week. It was just again the putter misfired. But interestingly enough, you look at our strokes gained numbers here for Colonial. He is the third best putter historically on these greens in this field at Colonial Country Club. He just putts well here every year. So yeah, I'm on Jordan Spieth. I'm a 16 to 1 chance on Spieth. I've then spaced my selections out because, you know, we're talking about um, 70 to 1, 80 to 1 winning this across the last three years. So I've gone deeper from that. So my next set of tips are at fifty to one. Is there any is there any player that interests you between Spieth and fifty to one? Um, no, I've got two the same as you. The only other one I've backed is at fifty to one, and that's Justin Rose, who um, I thought played quite nicely last week. Actually, thirteenth in the end, and you, you mentioned thirteenth as one of the uh, cutoff points then for uh, incoming form, yeah. which was quite quite a nice tie. Um, but yeah, ninth for grins and regulation last week, 18th for putting in terms of strokes gained. That was 10th for strokes gained approach and uh, 13th for strokes gained putting. I think there's some good metrics coming out of Rose. Um, first and third here um, over his last four attempts. He likes the course. He likes these tree-lined classical bent grass setups. It's um, it, it's as simple as that for Rose. And I thought 50 to 1 was worth taking a chance on seeing as he played the uh, Played some nice stuff last week. In this field, he's got the most bent grass wins on the PGA Tour 7. Yep. So, yeah, it's, it's his alley, isn't it? What do you think's gone wrong with Rose, Barry? You, I mean, you're, you're a golfer of a decent standard. You, I mean, Paul and I struggled to hold a damn club. What do you, what, what do you think <laughs> Rose's issues have been of late? Because you do see flashes and then it's miscuts and it's just all over the place. I'd say the tipping off or the tailing off of his, you know, contending seemed to coincide with jumping to Hanma Golf Clubs. Mm. Um, was that was that two years, maybe even three years ago now at this stage? 
Yeah, I think his um, last win was 2019 Farmers, yeah. And he just swapped yeah. at that point. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, um, I don't know for certain, but I'm pretty sure that's all wrapped up now and he's back to building yeah. his own bag, maybe. Um, yeah. I'm open to correction on that. And, you know, maybe it's just taking a little bit longer to recalibrate the... Um, the, the body to and the muscles and the neurons and the brain and everything to to the clubs that he's got now you know he kind of scrambled the system with or it seemed to have scrambled the system by going to, to Anma and um yeah maybe it's just taking him time to unscramble it that's that's i mean that's it's it's not a very specific take on it but uh that would be that would, that's where i would think it's at he, he also likes to first, to show he still up. likes a, he still likes a first round leader a punt at, oh, at yeah. Mage, isn't he? I noticed last week he was just percolating up the leaderboard on Thursday as per usual. And you're standing there, you're slapping your forehead going, I can't believe I haven't backed McElroy and Rose first round leader in a major. Either. I know. The thing the thing about Rose is he he seems to have the head and the the, the mental space to really get his game on point for majors. Um that seems like a, a theme. I mean, obviously, doesn't always wash out like that, but he has the focus seems to really narrow for him on major weeks or yeah. or the very big weeks and can really step up. Now, it's I guess it's about if he puts himself in position, he can. You know, we know he can win a major. Um, it's I just yeah, it's he's a hard one to he's a hard one to pick because he, he is maybe he's becoming like an Adam Scott, or maybe he's. Maybe he's got more wins left in him. Mm. Interesting. I've gone for two at 50 to 1. I've got Sebastian Munoz, who was third here last year. And I get the feeling with Munoz, he was third at the Byron Nelson the week before the PGA. I think he's had three, he's had, uh, is it two top fives now? Um, let me get this straight. Cause I, I never want to. I never want to quote bad numbers to our listeners. February at the start of May saw five consecutive top thirty-three stroke play finish, but Moon Moon trumped that at the Byron Nelson two weeks ago. An opening round sixty saw him lead from the front at Craig Ranch. He then backed that up with a further three rounds in the sixties to deliver third. 55th last week at the PGA Championship will only boost his confidence. And when he's confident, he can really mix it at the top of leaderboard. 67-65 here last year saw him. T3 going into the weekend, a position he went on to capture with a closing 68. I've got him. I, a, he's had a couple of top threes and a top 10 across his last five stroke play of appearances in Texas. That's it. Two top threes and a top ten in the last five in Texas. World number 54, very, very close for the fight to get into Immelman's President's Cup team. And when he's seeing people like Perea jump up the qualification spots by about ten places last week by almost winning the PGA Championship, I would have thought that's going to motivate Munoz to actually keep his foot down. He is a PGA Tour winner. Uh, if we go back, I think it was the 2020 or 2019 Sanderson Farms. Yeah, 2019 Sanderson Farms Championship. 
So yeah, Munoz likes the course. He actually reminds me very much of Kevin Nart and Jason Kokrag, who I think all finished. I think Nart finished seventh and Kokrag finished third the year before they won here. So I get that kind of vibe by Munoz. And the other one I'm going for at 50 to 1 is our old friend Kevin Nar and why not? We know that, you know, Kevin Nar, he's like a Kevin Kisner, isn't he? He plays basically the PGA Tour short course um, rotor. He likes to play jackets, you know, the RBC heritages and, you know, you'll find him winning at Sony. Uh, Nar is ripe for this, absolutely ripe for it. Won here in 2019. His course form is 17th, 7th, 9th, 13th, 10th, 4th and 1st here at Colonial. 23rd last week at Southern Hills, 26th at Harbour Town. He had the 14th place finish at Augusta National. So I said top 13, it might move, you know, might move 14th at Augusta within his last four. That counts for me. His wins have come out. Two at TPC Summerlin, one at Old White TPC, one at Wildlife Country Club and here. That's his five PGA Tour victories. So I think, nah, you just, him, Kisner, they're the sorts that you just kind of say, yeah, they're almost auto FOMO bets, fear of missing out. So I've got Nar and Munoz at 50 to 1 each. I've then got two at 100 to 1. So where are you boys coming in? Where are you coming in, Barry? Uh, I've backed Sung J.M., he, um, we've kind of, we had him lined up for last week as a, as a potential bet. And then he caught COVID on a trip back to Asia. So he's back in the mix this week and assuming he's bounced back. Okay. As a, you know, mid 20 year old, he's hopefully all right from COVID and it'll be raring to go. What price did you get on him? 33, 33 to, 33 to one. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, yeah. I mean, roll, looping back around to speed, I'll probably back him just because <laughs> He frustrated the hell out of us last week. And he'll probably just pop up and go, hey, uh, how's it going? Got to win this week. So, yeah, I'll probably catch, get jump in on the speed bandwagon. Um, after that, yeah, I know I'm kind of in detox mode from the major. So I'm going to limit the bets a little bit this week. But um, one uh, one player I have gone for short uh, in that short course kind of um, pod of players oh, yeah. uh, is Joel Damon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who like last week was you could see on his social media saying he had no chance. And I think that's just purely the length of the course, but yeah. um, I think this one will be an awful lot more palatable for him. He threw in that crazy low round at Pont at Potomac, didn't he? On the Thursday, I think he was leading there, wasn't he? Was he first round leader at uh, the Wells Fargo? Yeah, quite. Quite possibly. Yeah, he's playing some good stuff. Merged into one now. And I'll tell you another player I came very, very close on, but I looked at his record and he's always short on odds and he doesn't tend to win a lot. Brian Harmon. He hasn't won since 2017, I believe. Yeah. But Brian Harmon, he's just the the perfect kind of player for here. That's the kind of gritty... No, he's won twice at one will be the John Deere Classic, yeah, twenty fourteen. That yeah, there's another course correlation. If you're looking for correlating tournaments, John Deere Classic's a good one. Colonial, um, what else goes with Colonial? Uh, Sony Open. 
There's also a very good correlation with Pebble Beach when you look at the the winners here. They all seem to have top tens at finishes at Pebble. Uh, the other one that uh, Brian Harmon won was, of course, uh, 2017 Wells Fargo, which they played that year at... Um, it wasn't at Quail Hollow. It was at the Eagle Point, I think, something like that. Yep. Uh, so I, I, I thought uh, you, you're, you're not feeling it for Kisner this week, Barry. No, you are the Kisner whisperer. I, I wasn't feeling it, just looking at his stats, looking at the... He just doesn't seem to be quite on it since that world match play runner-up. Mm. I'm he's not, in, maybe I'm he's not in a low end. The Kisner love this week. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's in a little little low point. I mean, the two rounds last week were fine. You he's a hundred to one for somebody of his length. They were fine. Hundred to one with Coral right now, Kevin Kisner. Jeez, it's a big price. I've gone, and I doubt if either of you have gone for him. I've gone for Troy Merritt. Now I was, you know, I jabber away on my YouTube channel, and I basically just free roll for forty minutes with no script whatsoever, talking gibberish. I mentioned on there that Troy Merritt is playing some really good golf at the moment. Now Troy Merritt will never ever pop in any of your predictive models. It just won't happen because Merritt just isn't that kind of player. He's all short game to a certain extent, and you know. It's all about strokes gain T to green, isn't it? So Troy Merritt is always kind of 150th in your in your 152 field. But he's playing some outstanding stuff right now, Merritt. I mean, he's currently ranking over the last eight weeks on my strokes gained uh, tracker. In this field, and it's not a bad field, is it? He is ranking right now... Um, He's ranking in the top five in this field. Thomas, Im and Perea, Tommy Fleetwood, then Troy Merritt. That's mad. Hmm. So I'm finding him at 101, and Merritt was seventh here last year. And one thing you say about Troy Merritt, shorter courses, bent grass greens, his two PGA Tour victories have both been on bent grass. And three visits here to Colonial. He's finished 17th and 7th here last year. He also came very close to winning last year at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. That was the one won by Cameron Davis, who had that kind of miraculous finish where he was holding out from bunkers and in trees and all this. And got into a playoff with Merritt. And so this is the thing with Troy. He's just percolating. He's actually in the top 100 in the world now. And most who's Troy Merritt for Lord's sake? Well, this is it. You know, under the surface, he's playing some really nice golf. Fifth this year at Pebble, and fifth at TPC San Antonio, the other side of the Masters. Now, I wouldn't put a long par seventy-two down as Troy Merritt country, and he finished fifth at the Valero Texas Open. This here, a tight technical, kind of mid-score, 14-under job. I think that's more merit than than Valero Texas Open. So I'm on 100-1 to one on Troy Merritt with Paddy Power. And Paul, I know that you're on the same player because you told me off mic. Hmm. You're on a 100-1 to one chance, aren't you? Who is it? Yeah, we're, well, we're both on the same player. Yeah, I, I guess you wind it back to some uh, some some great work that Dave Tyndall did mm. um, a year or two back, where he identified that Stuart Sink post 
majors has a fantastic record and um, it's true and reading through your preview you've gone into how long do you think some... that took me to pull together <laughs> yeah well it, it you've gone to some extensive detail to to list all of his post major efforts but they're really impressive aren't they Over that's an years. hour of my life i'll never get back <laughs> but steve if you pick out a hundred to one winner as a result of that um, everyone's happy, aren't they? And I, I, I agree. I concur with it fully. I, he, he put a decent performance in, in last week. He was, um, yeah. you know, punching above his weight. Were he in the top 10 going into Sunday? Yeah, 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 yeah. He was right in the mix. Well, not right in the mix, but he was in the mix for a place if you'd gone on the extended places, yeah. um, which at the price on offer, again, would have been a, a great return. And his price hasn't suffered that dramatically this week and if you're getting three figures about a guy who seems to be able to turn it on immediately after majors with some consistency then yeah fill your boots I'm in I, I concur fully he's just uh, he's not very sexy is he Stuart Singh I mean but the, to be fair the guy for 48 year old plays some phenomenal goal four mm. made cuts from his past five He's already finished seventh at Copperhead and ninth at TPC Potomac. Yeah, so he's he's ticking the he's ticking the top twelve box. Yeah, yeah. Twenty third last week at the PGA Championship, where he was T seven heading into Sunday. He's still the world number seventy six. And if you look at his performances post major championships across his whole career. I've managed to bring it down, and I apologise if I've missed one or I've added one, but this is what I got to, and it took me over an hour to get here. Five wins, seven additional top fives, six additional top tens, and two of those he, he, he's, two of those outings, he lost in two playoffs as well. So he's got five wins. That could have been very, very easily six or seven wins. All the week after, the appearance after a major. Mm. That's crazy. Yep. He's had a 2nd to 13th, a 14th to 4th, an 18th to 16th, and a 10th here at Colonial Country Cup. So I'm on 100 to 1, Stuart Singh. Yep. Now, if, if there's if there's one triple-digit play you want to play this week, then Stuart Singh's got to be the one, I think. Barry, you need to join us on Singh, I think. So Singh... Merritt, Nah, Munoz, and Jordan Spieth. Those are my five for the Charles Swap Challenge. Have you got anything to add, Barry? Otherwise, no, we will but, move uh, on uh, to the Dutch Open. Uh, other than I'm quite quick at getting into my bookie accounts and putting bets on that sound attractive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm on Stuart Sink, and I, I just couldn't resist. I had a power up in Paddy Power, so I've backed Ricky at 75 to 1. He's playing better stuff, Ricky. Um, Stuart Sink right now, you can get him at Betfred, 125 to 1, seven places each way. I hope Betfred don't change that to eight places later today because they've started doing that again. They've started doing this, oh, let's switch from seven places for the early birds to eight places on a Tuesday. I don't like that. That's all well and good. If they do that, that's fine as long as they retrospectively apply the places to the bets mm. that have already been placed. But No chance. No. No chance. And, and the only thing that's going to happen there is you're going to piss off punters and lose customers. Yeah. Mm. Well, we call, not that I'm sure that nobody from Betfred listens to this podcast, but we called them out for it last year and then they stopped doing it. Well, they've started doing it again. They did it last week at the PGA. They put the prices out and they were they were seven places and then all of a sudden by Tuesday lunchtime it had swapped to eight places and I just don't like that. 
Open yeah, your book, keep f- your place terms the same. There's a few of them playing a cagey game on a Monday now, isn't there? And William Hill um, always go with a lower option until about three o'clock in the afternoon on a, on a Monday and then switch to their extended market as well. Credit to, P- uh, credit to William Hill this week. They opened on the PJ Tour. I don't know about yours. They they opened straight away with eight places each way. Okay. Well, there was none of this six, but... then to eight. No, they, they opened with eight from the, from the outset, mm. William Hill this week. Treble 8 Sport the worst. They're currently five places a court the odds right now. And I can tell by about 10.30, they'll switch that to eight places. Uh, they'll change that to six places in a fifth. Mm. But Betfred have started doing this. We'll open up on sevens at a fifth. And then by Tuesday lunchtime, we'll change that to eight places. And I just don't like that. That's not good. I think that's the Charles Schwab done. Am I, am I correct? Should we move on to the Dutch Open? Yeah, yeah. Let's go to the Dutch. Uh, only only thing I'll, I'll add on that is that I'm on Kevin Nara as well. Um, okay. So we're we're all doomed to collective failure by the looks. Well, of you know, with Kevin, he'll be he'll either miss the cut or um, he'll get into the mix. He'll be one or two. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's the kind of player you got to take on at that price. I think. Yeah. Um. Yeah. In terms of the Dutch Open, I'll try and rattle through it because we're close to an hour already. Um. Yes, yeah, so we're off to Holland um, for the Dutch Open. No title sponsor. It used to be the KLM Open this, didn't it? Um, uh, but with no title sponsor, we're back into the lower tier of DP World Tour events. So just the bog standard one and three quarter million dollars in terms of a prize fund. Actually, though, it's attracted a fairly typical field. It's not a complete disaster. Uh, Bernd Wiesberg is the favourite, 20 to 1. He was the um, highest finisher last week at Southern Hills. He finished 30th in the end. If Bernd Wiesberger could putt, he'd be dangerous, wouldn't he? Because his tee to green right now is kind of elite top 10 world level. Yeah, absolutely. Strokes going tee to green, strokes going off the tee. Approach game, all really, really good. But but he's losing shots every week on the greens. (sighs) Needs needs to put that phone call into Brad, doesn't (laughs) he? I won't interrupt you again, sorry. That's right. Um, yeah, Burnt Feastberg, 20 to 1. Adrian Moronk, 22. Same price, Thomas Peters, 22 to 1. Rasmus Hogard, 25 to 1. Ryan Fox, who played last week as well, made the cut, 25 to 1. Jordan Smith, 28. Theorbjorn Olsen, the British Masters winner, 30 to 1. Uh, Oliver Becker cut into 33s now. Adrian Otegi, 35 to 1. 45 to 1 bar those players. Ball Sports, eight places, a fifth of the odds this week. That's the best terms out there. PP, Paddy Power and Betfair, seven places each way, a fifth of the odds also. We're uh, returning to Bernardus Golf. Uh, second year on the trot. We were there for the first time last year. It's a Kyle Phillips design. Now, Carl Phillips, you're talking Kings Barnes, that's part of the Dunhill Links rotor, the Grove, which hosted the British Masters quite recently, well, a few years back, um, down near us here in Hertfordshire. Don Donald Links, um, the Scottish Open, uh, Vidura, which hosted the Sicilian Open or the Rocco Forte Open, as it was at the time. Um, also, Hilversumch, which was part of the KLM Open, this event's rotor, um, back 10, 12 years or so ago. So there's quite a few Carl Phillips designs to look at. There's a full list of my preview if you're interested and want to do a bit of extra research. This particular track is a flat 7,425-yard past 72. It's an exposed kind of setup, Heathland in style. Lots of heather plants that they've 
planted over the last couple of years to give it a proper heathland look and feel. feels a little linksy, actually, um, when you look and when you eyeball it on TV. Pretty straightforward setup, though. Four par fives, a couple of short par fours, top-class bentgrass greens that they'd laid when they built this. Well, they opened it in 2018, so very fresh green still. Um, 23 under was leading after just 54 holes last year. That was the eventual winning score as well. But 23 under after 54 gives you a an indication of what can be done. This kind of scores that can be achieved on this course when conditions are easy. It might be a little more difficult this year. Um, I'm seeing a little bit more breeze in the forecast, maybe 10, 15 miles an hour at times. But on these exposed courses, they're kind of built for that. It's not excessive in my view. I don't think it's going to overly keep the scoring um, tough. I don't think it, in any shape or form. There was rain yesterday. There's rain forecast today. There's a little bit of showery rain in the, in the forecast for the weekend as well. That should keep it nice and receptive. I'd be amazed if they don't get in and around 20 under par again this week. Um, so, you know, you're going to need to bring your putty. You're going to need to make some birdies, I think. Uh, there's lots of history for the KLM Open, but only last year it was played here. So if you're interested in the data, do take that, um, all of the history with a pinch of salt. I've detailed some of the stats from last year's top performance in my preview. So take a look at that if you want to, good idea of what kind of set or kind of makeup you need from a player. Christopher Broberg, Broberg was the winner last year. 275 to 1. Oh, good luck. Yeah. Well, he, came, he came off a six-week break. Um, so no, no, no action for six weeks. Prior to that, his four events coming in. 37th, 52nd, missed cut, 63rd. So that wasn't exactly screaming impending success either. So, um, yeah, good luck if you'd have picked that one out. Um, if you look at the top five here last year, there was a real mix of styles as well. So you've got Broberg at the top. Matty Schmidt, who was second, he was third in terms of driving distance. Yet Alessandro Canisares, who finished third, was 68th. So he kind of got chalk and cheese in terms of driving distance from those two. Uh, Broberg was first for strokes gained putting. Schmidt was second for strokes gained off the tee. Uh, Canizaris was 74 for strokes gained off the tee. So again, complete opposites there. But he was second for strokes gained approach. Thomas Detry finished fourth. He was, um, well, it was his putter that did the damage, really. Um, Darius Van Drill finished fifth. And he was first for strokes gained tee to green. So you've got pretty much all of the bases covered by five different players, but all on different aspects or different skill sets from a year ago so if that's telling you anything it's probably telling you that any style of um, player can can win on this they just need to play well on the week um i mean looking through the list of other winners recently i'll read through the, the most recent ones um how relevant they are given that we change courses i'm not so sure thomas peters won at 55 to 1 back in 2015 yos lauten 18 to 1 2016 roman vatel 2017, 175 to 1. Ashen Wu, who we were on that week, uh, 2018, 125 to 1. Sergio won in 2019 at 16s, and then Broberg, as we said, at an, an outlandish price last year. Actually, it was played in September last year rather than May, so um, do bear that in mind. The conditions might be a little different, but I can't see it deviating massively from the template that we saw last year. Um, 
I backed six this week. I couldn't get away from the sixth player, so I've gone. I've gone deep. I've gone for six. Um, I've stuck with Oliver Becker at the top. Um, I backed him yesterday at forty to one. He's been trimmed in a little bit. Thirty three still out there, but um, uh, still a good price. There's some extended places available at thirty threes as well. Uh, I backed him at the Sudal Open on his last DP World Tour start. Um, he finished fourth. He made the each way money. And that was with the distraction of flying off to Southern Hills pretty much straight after the event. I mean, he missed the cut last week. That was just his second uh, major start. So you can forgive him that. I think he can pick up again now that he's returned straight to this lower level and um, much more in his comfort zone. Seven-time winner on the on the Sunshine Tour over the years. Still looking for that first DP World Tour breakthrough, but... Um, he seems a good fit to me in terms of the style of course and the fact that he's going to make or need to make some birdies. He's fifth currently on tour for birdie average. He's shot some lovely low rounds this year as well. 62 at the Raz Al Khaimah. Uh, that ties the lowest round so far in 2022 season on tour. 63 twice since that point as well he's shot. So he's juicing some lovely, um, really birdie infested rounds over the last few weeks and uh, his form following a missed cut I did I t- took a look through took some inspiration from your words on Stuart Sinks though um, had a look to see how he was doing post a missed cut and in his last six missed cuts he's followed that straight up with five of those six being top 20 finishes or better so he seems to be able to bounce back nicely and um, I think in this field, he's a good bet at what is 33 to 1 now. Mm-hmm. Um, Henny Duplessis is also a good bet in my view, 45 to 1. Um, he's here on a sponsor's invite this week, but um, I think he's shown enough to suggest that he should be playing at this level full time. He shouldn't be relying on sponsor's invites. And if he keeps producing the kind of results that he has done so far this season on the DP World Tour, he'll have a full card sewn up for next year before too long anyway. So it won't be an issue. Seventh at the Joburg Open, third at the South African Open, which of course wasn't a DP World Tour event in the end. Uh, sixth at the My Golf Life Open more recently, and he led there for the first three days before coming unstuck slightly on the final day. Another low scoring event, that one. Third and sixth at the two Spain events, 15th last time out of the Sudal Open. And uh, again, it's another one who should enjoy shooting low scores. He's shot a 62 this season, a couple of 64s, a couple of 65s, all of those since mid March. So. Again, he's producing some nice low scores to encourage for this week. Uh, A little bit deeper, Matty Schmidt, who I mentioned earlier, he finished second last year. Um, Early price yesterday, 80 to 1. There's still 66s out there right now. And uh, he's one of those uh, crop of young, exciting Germans with a big future that are starting to emerge. Twice a European amateur champion over the years. He was the leading amateur, you may remember, at the Open Championship last year and before turning professional just after that. Now, he finished second here. He finished ninth at the Dunhill Lynx. He finished 11th at the, um, in, in Mallorca um, to finish off last season. Earned his card for this year. So pretty much a, you know, a whirlwind nine months or so. And he's kept that going. Third at Stain City recently. That was, again, another low-scoring affair. He was fourth into Sunday at Kenya. Um, 64 he shot in round two last time out at the Sudal Open. Really strong strokes gain off the uh, off the tee game. And I think that's the kind of game he could produce. The kind of out-performing um, stat that he could produce this week that would get him in the mix. 
so Schmitzin, also Yannick Paul, who's been um, appearing on a lot of leaderboards. Another talented German who's starting to emerge at this DP World Tour level. Uh, a quick look through some of his history. Graduated from the Canadian Tour, which I wasn't aware of until I really dug into him. Um, Canadian Tour Challenge Tour, he, he made his way through that last year. Now fully-fledged DP World Tour card for this season. And he's certainly getting closer at this level. Top 10s at the Joburg Open, at the um, ISBS Handa Championship in Spain. Last time out, his best finish so far, he was runner-up to Sam Horsfield. He's getting closer and closer, and it's got an excellent long game. He looked, he looked really good at the Sudal Open. Um, excellent long game. Some form as well in Holland, eighth on the Challenge Tour last year. Yeah, lots to like with the Yannick Paul at uh, 80-1, to which is still available out there. Um, and finally, a couple of three-figure shots. Sebastian Soderberg, um, who was available yesterday at 150. Still some 125s out there, which is a good price, I think. He's the one that I mentioned right at the top. Not the most consistent. Lots of missed cuts. Mm. But when it does work for Sebastian Soderberg, he can he can just suddenly pop up and produce a really close contending performance. And um, Don't forget, he was the guy that um, won at Cran-Sourciere back a couple of years ago um, with that was a four or five-man playoff, I think it was. Rory McIlroy was there in the playoff as mm. well. And uh, Soderberg produced the goods on the first player of that yeah. Cool. yeah it's uh, that kind of player you know you don't don't be overly put off by a lot of missed cuts because when he all tweet all kind of comes together for Soderberg he can produce the goods uh, second at the Belfry um, a few weeks back and again that was a yeah. case in point here he went miscut 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 second at the Belfry and on the week he um, improved strokes gained tee to green by 15 strokes over the previous week <laughs> so where's that come from you know <laughs> do, you, you must find something magical on the on the um, on uh, yeah in practice on the on the range to go from well I think it was minus 8 to plus 7 in terms of strokes gained tee to green in one week maybe he's just sober <laughs> it's mad isn't it uh, but I mean, for me, he's the sort who can click here because he. If you look through his record again, when it works for Soderberg, he puts together um, performances where he's um, he's making twenty five, twenty six, twenty eight birdies on a week. Mm. And I think you're going to need that kind of number this week. I don't want players who struggle to get ten or fifteen birdies on a week and plod around to a thirtieth place finish because they're not going to win. You need that kind of player who can produce a sixty one, sixty two who can get mid-twenties, maybe up to 30 birdies on a week and uh, and just be nice and streaky. So, uh, yeah, he may miss the cut. Don't shoot me if he does, but um, I thought worth taking the taking the chance on Soderberg at the price. And finally, Andy Sullivan, who are backed at 150s as well. Again, he's been trimmed in a bit, but still available three-figure prices. Uh, a little bit of flash of form last time. Ninth at the Sudal Open. That was after a really poor start to the year for Andy. Seems to have found something. The putter... Finally, seemed to start working again last time out the Pusudal Open. Now, I know trends are there and um, history's there to uh, to be shot down. But if you look back in 2020, Sam Horsfield won the Forest of Ar- at the Forest of Arden for the what was it the English Championship at the time. Um, the next name on the winners list on the European Tour website, as it was, Justin Thomas. He won the WGC St Jude. So we had Horsfield Thomas, the next winner. At the Hanbury Manor Birdie Fest on that uh, string was Andy Sullivan. So we had Horsfield, Thomas, Sullivan. 
Horsfield just won the Sudal Open. Justin Thomas just won the USPGA. We go into another birdie fest. Andy Sullivan's in the field. Three-figure price. He was waxing lyrically about that golf course in Belgium. He loved the place. And then all of a sudden, he gets a top 10 finish. So something's clicked, yeah, hopefully. He's... It's... When you've got positivity coming out of Andy Sullivan, when there's a smile on his face, when the game's going well, the birdies just absolutely flow. Mm. I mean, oh, that, going back to that um, Hanbury Manor, yeah. he won by seven. He shot 27 under yeah, bar. Yeah, 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 yeah. It just, you know, put him on a birdie fest when he's playing well and he, he can just absolutely lap the field. When he won in Portugal the time before that, he, he won by nine shots, I think, 23 under. He, again, he just absolutely left the field for dust. So mm. he can go really low. And um, for again, for a three-figure shot, I'm quite happy to take a chance on Sullivan at, uh, at that kind of price. So, just to recap then, Sullivan, uh, Andy Sullivan, well, three figures now, backed him at 150. S- Sebastian Soderberg out there, 125 is available. Yannick Paul, 80 to 1. Matty Schmidt cut into 66s. Henny Duplessis still there at 45 to 1. And Oliver Becker, 33 to 1. Best price available right now. Throw me a name, Barry. On the bird, on the birdie trend, I'm going for Hurley Long. Yep. Yeah, he's uh, sixth in birdies on tour this year, and seems to be that kind of high variance. Uh, he'll be up there or he won't. So I'm I'm willing to jump on board with that. Um, just just looking at that table here, the the leaders and birdies on the DP World Tour this year: Adrian Moronk, Pablo Larrazabal, Henny Duplessis, Sean Norris, Oliver Becker, Hurley Long. And rounding at the top 10, Ryan Fox, Christopher Broberg, George Kurtzea, and J.B. Kruger. Yeah. Kruger only has eight rounds there for that, so it doesn't... Yeah, I, the, the, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see the winner come from that list because I think you are going to have to produce, yeah, mid-20s of birdies. Um, try and minimise the bogeys a bit and put together that 20 under or thereabouts total to, to get yourself right in the mix this where, week. Where but are you going to back Hurley Long, Barry? Because I'm looking at his prices. You've got a lot of different options. You could have 100 to 1 with Bet365. We could have 80, to, and they're standard five and a quarter. We could have 80 to 1 with Ball Sports, eight places each way. How I are you going to cut your cloth? No, I backed him with Boyle Sports. You did, see? Okay. Yeah. You're not yeah. doing the okay. pool. I think- You're not doing the pool pricing. See, with that differential, He's, I would be on ball sports for that one. There's just there's, there's some there's some mental barometer that yeah. pushes me one way or the other. I think I think you're okay with the longer um, when it comes to longer prices. There's a differential. I guess the delta between the two isn't as bad. But if it's like thirty threes versus forties, that seems to just trigger something in you. You're like, I'm taking the forties at five places. <laughs> <laughs> but if it's a hundred versus eighties, you're like, ah, oh, it's okay. Eighties is fine. I'll take it. Just cool. No, Just to point out, like a, he's a he's a hundred and ten to one, the best price in the market with ten mm. bet Hurley Long. Mm. He's as short as fifty to one with Paddy Power. This is what we're saying: fifty to one with Paddy Power, or if you want to maximise your price, ten bet a hundred and ten to one on Hurley Long. And yeah. I suppose, Paul, the other thing um, that probably comes into your head is that when you're looking at longer prices, you're like, well, he probably has less chance of winning, so I want to kind of grab those extra places if he does fall into the places. Mm. Yep, yep. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I tend to, with my longer prices, I tend to go a full point each way with them anyway, um, in, on the basis that if you're going to get a place, then you want to make it relatively worthwhile. So mm. um, if you're accepting slightly lower odds and getting better price, price, better um, places for the long prices, then uh, yeah, there's a trade-off there. It's not an exact science and I, I'm fairly inconsistent with it as well. So um, yeah, it's, uh, there's certainly not a rule to follow. With the I think, way I put them together. I think you should do a season of exchange win only bets. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe maybe a month. Maybe a month a season could yeah, be a long time. Say, yeah. yeah, keep missing the winners and you'd be bankrupt by the end. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Steve? Anything catch you? I've had absolute no opportunity to look at it, so I I'm a I'm 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 nowhere on the Dutch Open, so I think we'll close cool. it there. I think that's the show done, chaps. Mm. Yes. I hope your bets go well. Yeah, best of luck, guys. Yeah, hopefully, too, uh, hopefully we get some uh, some results out of this week. Fingers crossed. What have you got next week, Paul? Uh, it's the Porsche European Open at Green Eagles next week. Apparently, Tommy Fleetwood's come over to play this one, so we'll see if he's still on the invite list or the uh, on the entry list this time next week. So he's likely to win at like seven to one. <laughs> I think plays, that's what Victor yeah. Hovland did the last year, wasn't it, Victor? And then yeah. Paul Casey's snapped that one up at 16s before. Yeah, it's, it is one of those that if you get a top top name that comes over, yeah, sometimes it's just worth buying the bullet and sticking as a winner only at the mm. top just in case. Yeah. And we've got the Memorial Tournament, which is always my favourite non-major over on the PGA Tour next week. So, um, yeah, hope your bets go well, gents. I hope, uh, hope your bets go well. Listeners, and we'll be back next week for podcast, I believe it will be 213. See you then. Cheers. If you like betting on golf, but everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved with all the stats and the tips and so much more. Cause it's the golf betting system. The golf betting system is the 